this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. You know, what's funny is uh, I've talked before about that point of friction. When you're learning, you start to feel friction. You start to be repelled. By it, it starts to feel uncomfortable, putting yourself in a position where you don't know what you're doing or you don't know the outcome. It's uncomfortable. And uh, I've mentioned before that this habit recently of me being here daily is not a promise that I'll be here every day. I'm going with the whole palm tree thing, you know, staying flexible. Well, today I started to feel the friction wasn't that I didn't want to record an episode. I just, it was 5.30 in the evening. I just finished eating and I realized, man, I don't really, I don't have anything. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And I honestly contemplated like, well, maybe today's just a day I skip. Not a big deal. Whatever. I'll just skip today. And I decided to pick up a book. I started reading And I didn't start reading just aimlessly. I actually read with purpose. Picked up something that's been coming up a lot recently. And when I was reading it, I said, all right, I'm going to keep my eye open. Maybe there's something here. And I had this little piece. I said, maybe I could do something with that. Maybe. That reminds me of this other thing. And I went and looked up the other thing. And then I... That reminds me of this, and that reminds me of this. Next thing I knew, my screen on my computer, I have a widescreen monitor, was full of notes. So it's just, I wanted to reiterate the point that that feeling of friction is the point at which you're about to make some kind of advance. That what you're rubbing up against when you feel that friction is the predefined barrier. It's where you think the limitation is. And if you push against it, you'll find that it's permeable, that you can go through it. And you're on the other side and you go, oh, I I guess I can go further. Now, this is not hustle porn. You know, this isn't work, work, work and push yourself until you're dead. I'm just saying that sometimes you have to push through the friction. It's hard to know. I didn't know today whether it was time to push or not. But uh, if I hadn't pushed, we wouldn't be talking about what we're going to be talking about today. It's great. I'm, I'm actually, I'm stoked about this episode. I love the notes that are in front of me right now. So let's stop teasing and let's, let's get into this. Sip your tea, 
relax, drive your car, suck down your coffee, wherever you're listening to this. I, I always think you guys are listening to this when I'm recording it. You're not. You're listening to it the next day. All right, let's talk about Thomas Edison. Yeah, you know the guy that uh, everybody says invented the light bulb. He didn't actually invent the light bulb. He just improved the light bulb. Still monumentous, but apparently I felt I needed to clear that up. (laughs) I guess maybe after this story, maybe I'm just a little pissed off at Thomas Edison. So Thomas Edison, one of the things that he worked on was direct current. So you direct current, you also know as DC. And I don't mean DC comics. This is not Batman and Superman. I mean ACDC. Not the Australian band. But ACDC. Alternating current, direct current. What does that mean? Maybe, maybe. I didn't know this for years. When you used to buy things and it would say ACDC on there, it meant you could either plug it into the wall or you could stuff batteries in it. Alternating current comes from the wall. Direct current can come out of a battery. It's not the only place. In the time that we're talking about, Thomas Edison was working on direct current, not from batteries. He was working on direct current as a way to provide electricity to homes. Because at this time, most people did not have electricity in their homes. The problem with direct current in all cases, whether it's from battery or whether it is from a power plant, is that direct current doesn't travel very far. So in order to wire all the houses in a city with direct current, you have to put power stations all throughout the city. I read one thing that said that direct current can really only travel about a mile. So every one, well, I guess every technically every two miles, you would have to have a power station. Now think about that in city planning. And think about that for cities where you live now. Imagine if every two miles there had to be a power station. And the competitor to this, well, actually, let's before we get into the competitor, this let's talk about how the competitor came about. So Thomas Edison obviously wanted to wire every city in America with direct current. Lots of money, right? So he hired this guy. This guy was this, he was an immigrant from Serbia, and he was digging ditches. He found him digging ditches. And somebody told him that he had technical knowledge. And so he had hired him for something else and found out the guy was quite talented and quite intelligent. Some people even said the guy was a genius. So he asked this guy, hey, can you help me to perfect direct current? So that maybe we can build less power stations and this will be more viable. Can you help me figure out a way to make direct current travel further? The person that he hired was Nikola Tesla. What happened was Nikola Tesla started doing exactly what he was hired for, found out direct current was never going to be able to do that, and instead came up with an alternative. No pun intended. The alternative was called alternating current. A little information about the difference between the two. Direct current means when I turn on a light switch, the power comes all the way from the power station, like an arrow. That's why it takes longer, why it can't travel, right? 
If I'm two miles away, I turn on the light switch, it may take a while for the electricity to come to me. Alternating current does something very different. Alternating current keeps the electrical charge in the wires in your wall moving back and forth, alternating. So that when you turn it on, it's already there, sitting and waiting for you. This is why if you leave things plugged in, you can, even if they're turned off, you can still get, <laughs> you can still accrue money on your electrical bill because it's still moving through the wires. So because the electricity stays in the wire and it doesn't have to directly come from the source every time, you don't need power stations all across the city. You need what we have now, which is power stations that can power the whole city, depending on the size of the city, or a few that can power the whole city. But the problem here was Thomas Edison didn't give a shit about alternating current. He didn't care what Tesla came up with. He wanted DC to work. He wanted the thing that he came up with to work. A one-star review is saying, this wasn't made for me. That's it. You're not going to learn anything from it. Because if you look at the one-star reviews, it's usually like, I thought this was a book about fishing. And it's really a book about two men talking about their dad. Okay. It wasn't made for you. A book about fishing is what you were looking for, but a book about a dad, which is what it is, wasn't made for you. How did I get on that? <laughs> I think I'm being infected by uh, Blind Boy. He says that so often. How did I get onto this? It's easy to do, though, when you're not, when you're shooting off the cuff. People won't like this. That's where I was. People won't like this because of that, you know, that there's this rambly nature to it, this what I call organic or normal, natural way of speaking to other people, people won't like that. They want shows. That's okay. This isn't a show. The fact that this has changed so many times over the years and I've experimented with so many different things should, should tell you that this is not that. This is me. This is me with things in my head wanting to talk into a microphone. And if you're here and you're here multiple times in a row, then you're here because you like listening to that. There might not be as many people that like listening to that as like listening to whatever I could pretend that this is. But that's fine. I have to do this. I have to do what feels me. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes because there's so many things coming in, so many things that we're thinking about. You know, even if I just spent too much time thinking about the fact that some people are going to turn this off because I said, um, too many times, or because I paused for too long to think of the next word, or because I paused like I'm going to do right now to get some water because my mouth is dry. If I spend too much time thinking about this, that's the kind of stuff that stops me from turning on the microphone. It's the kind of stuff that stops me from creating. It's the thing that stops me from doing something that I enjoy, which is this. Me. No script. Talking into a microphone. I enjoy that. That's why I've so many times mentioned my fascination with late night talk radio. Because 
what else could they be doing? I just listened to an episode of James Altucher's podcast where he had on Cal Newport. And Cal Newport was a very good friend of Larry King's. And Larry King, who just passed recently, was the master of talk radio. He was, in in many ways, he was the Howard Stern before Howard Stern. Those two men, probably more than any other people, will always be associated with radio and talk radio. Just like Oprah Winfrey will always be associated with interview television. They're just masters at what they did. And they, in a way, redefined or more closely defined what that meant. In the episode, Hal and James are talking and they mention that Larry King was on the air from, I think it was like 9 p.m. until 5 in the morning for years. I can't remember if that was split between two shows or if that was the same show. But people could listen to him for that long. And he used to tell personal stories. It wasn't all just interviews. Like, uh, I think a lot of us who know Larry King in the more, in the last 20 years, associate him more with interviews because of his CNN show where he did interviews. And then the show that he did after that I believe he was still doing uh, right before he died. But before that, he did talk radio, solo talk radio. You know, people would call in and he would have interviews, but the rest of the time he had to fill it up with himself. And I've thought a lot about that format. It's essentially what I'm doing right now, but it it really changed something. No, it didn't change something for me. It clarified something for me this week because I realized that sometimes people listen to something not necessarily because of what it's about, but because they they want company. Uh, if you're a guy that's a truck driver and you're driving at 3.30 in the morning, not really much to do except turn on the radio and have a voice, something to keep you company. If you're a woman who's working as a security guard, in an empty building at night, there's not really much else to do except for turn on the radio. Now, of course, this is, we're talking more in the in the era of radio. Some people still do this, of course. But now because of technology and so forth, I, I assume a lot of these people, maybe not the guy driving his truck, but the lady sitting in the empty building maybe is playing with her smartphone. But these voices gave them space, a space to to listen to something, but maybe not have to pay attention to every single word. I think that's that's kind of the trick with it too. They can do things, but it's you know it's like a I have I have family members, older family members who were born back in the 50s, they're boomers. And I'd say a good percentage of them fall asleep with the television on. They fall asleep with the television on because it simulates company, simulates not being alone. Uh, my mother 
She she turns on the TV in the morning and then goes around and moves from room to room. She's not even sitting in the room watching TV. She just likes the noise. And what that clarified for me was the one thing I could never figure out about two-person podcasts. Like what Lamb and I do with Random Badassery, what we have done for years with Random Badassery, what uh, Merlin Mann and Dan Benjamin do with Back to Work. To some degree, even what the guys on Stuff You Should Know, Jock and Josh, uh, Jock and Josh, that's good. Chuck and Josh do. They talk. And even though like Stuff You Should Know is always about a topic, I'm pretty sure most of us who listen to that show don't turn it on or choose not to turn it on based on what the topic is. We go back because of the, the two guys. And we like hearing them talk to each other. They could talk about anything. It wouldn't matter. And it's very similar to that idea of company. And that's the way that I feel about Blind Boy. I don't care what he talks about. He always finds something very interesting to talk about. But I don't care. I'm going to listen anyways. Because I like him. And there's a strange sort of confidence that has to come with that rawness. Because that's another thing. In order to do it, it can't be scripted, right? It has to be has to be like this. You have to just be pouring yourself into the microphone. And in order to do that, it, it requires a strange sort of confidence. It's not an egotism, because of all the people that I mentioned, I don't think that you could associate an ego with any of them. They're all very humble people. And I don't think... <laughs> The amount of self-loathing that I have to deal with, I don't think you could qualify me as egotistical either. But the strange confidence is you have to accept the fact that some people, yes, they will return because they like you. But you also have to be okay with the fact that people will not return because they don't like you. And it's very hard not to confuse that with a personal opinion. But it can't be a personal opinion. They don't know you. They're just hearing your voice. And something you said, rub them the wrong way. It's that easy to do. I've done it before. Listen to a podcast for like six months and then they say one thing in an episode and I'm like, ooh, I don't like them anymore. Boom, unsubscribe. We live in a world where it's really easy to <laughs> unsubscribe with people who make us feel uncomfortable, even if minutely uncomfortable. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? I don't know. It's not my job to figure that out. I'm just saying that you have to you have to accept that. You're going to do something like this. And you have to be able to detach from that. You can't see it as a judgment of you as a person. Because like I said, it can't be a judgment of you as a person. But it is a judgment of what you talked about often. Or at least how you talked about it. And that's where the danger comes in. That's where you start second-guessing things. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. God knows I've been since 2016. What is that, five years? I've gone through that questioning process over and over again. And those damn numbers. I wish, I so, I so wish there was a way for me to just post my episodes and never see the stats. Because even when I try not to look at them and you just glance 
And you go, oh, that's weird. That episode got 20% less downloads. And any reasonable person is going to wonder somewhere in the back of their mind, why? And that why is dangerous because that why leads you to reevaluating. My least favorite word, even though it's such a good word when it's done right. So I've been going through this other process that's been kind of great. If you listen to the episode, I think it was three episodes ago, where Lamb and I talked about what I've learned from writing. You won't find it in this feed anymore. I've separated this feed from all of the Lamb episodes because uh, Lamb and I are going to try to podcast more regularly together again, maybe once a month, like when we first started. And I, I felt that it made more sense to put that separately. They all belong together. Because there's many times, actually, I'm going to go on tangent here, I realize that. There's many times when Lamb and I record and he will refer to something from the past because to him and I, it's just one really long conversation. But it gets a little confusing when people are like, is this his podcast or their podcast? So yeah, I separated it out. But you can find it over there if you want to listen to it. It's called uh, What I Discovered About Writing. I think that's what it's called. should be the most recent one. But in that, I talked about free writing. I might have to pause here and go get some water. Give me a second. You got an hour. Okay. I've got my water now. It's one of the one of the disadvantages of number one, starting without a script and just turning on the microphone. Yeah, not prepared. The other disadvantage is me being a recovering mouth breather. I still haven't figured out how to do this podcast thing breathing through my nose. I don't understand how you talk and breathe through your nose. So all of a sudden, I start breathing through my mouth when I'm talking, and it's dry. And I'm not used to that anymore, because all the other times, I breathe through my nose. Anyways, let's go back to before that, when I was talking about this uh, free writing thing. So as I explained to Lamb in the episode, free writing basically is something I got from Isaac Asimov, and it is about setting a period of time to write. You know, a lot of a lot of writers they set these numeric goals. If it works for you, it works for you. I think it's kind of dumb, to be honest. I think it, it's maybe dumb is the wrong way to say it. I think it sets the wrong precedent because by the number you're assuming that uh, numerically. Because you got, you know, 5,000 words or whatever, 2,000 words, that you've achieved something of value. And while it's good to write a lot and it's good to write freely a lot, because I'm about to tell you that I do that and how I do it. The problem with the numeric thing is, come on, let's, let's be honest. You're not stopping at 2,000. You're going to stop when what you're talking about is done. If you hit 2,000 and you're in the middle of an idea, you might have to go 500 to 1,000 more. Or if you write something and it takes up 1,600, you're really going to just sit there and plug away to pump out 400 bad words. Or if you if you only write uh, 1,998, are you going to say you failed for the day because you were too short? It's just, 
it seems a little silly to me. The time thing, on the other hand, Asimov's, I don't know if it's his trick, but what I take from it and what Seth Godin took from it in the time that he knew him was that the time thing forces you to face your inner critic because the inner critic is continually shitting on everything that you think. It's his job. It sounds like it's a bad thing, but there are times when having an inner critic is very good. Like, you're in public. Don't make that joke because it's not funny. Those type of things are useful. But when you're writing, you're writing a first draft, you're trying to get words out, you're trying, you need momentum. And you need sometimes to get momentum, you need a lot of bad words. I don't mean curse words. I mean, just a a lot of sloppy writing to get an idea. Why? Because the idea is in your head, but in your head, it, it doesn't have form. It doesn't have structure. So when you're trying to put it down in words, you don't know what it looks like yet. It's Plato, right? But the only way you're going to be able to shape it is to get the lump out. The ugly lump has to come out. So setting a time, it sends a signal to your brain. It says, hey, here's the deal. We're sitting here for an hour. If you want to be a jerk and not give me anything good, then we're going to have a really long hour. We're going to, I've had some of these. <laughs> they suck. You write two sentences and go, I guess that's a paragraph. Move on to the next idea. And it's all just a struggle. And the more days that you have like that, the more your brain starts to go, this sucks. He's always going to sit here. And it decides, fine. If we're going to sit here for this hour every day, I might as well think of something interesting. And it happens. Not every day. But it happens. And not even sometimes for the whole hour. Sometimes the hardest days for me are I'll have like 40 solid minutes, maybe even sometimes even just 20 solid minutes, just one big chunk of an idea that I can't get out and I'm so on fire and then the rest of it's a struggle. But I'll take it. I'll take that 20 minutes because without that setting that one hour time, I wouldn't have got that idea of that 20 minutes out. As I say in the episode with Lamb, it's like a fire hose. You're, you're spinning out so much stuff, good, bad, medium, you know, all, all along a spectrum of value is coming out. Eventually, you need to go through that stuff. And that's the scary part because you're spinning out thousands and thousands of words. And as I've gone through this, I start seeing chunks and I start going, oh, I want to write about that. Oh, I want to write about that. And what I mean is I want to take that, what I said there, and fix it. You know, because like I said, it's sloppy. Let me take that, move that over here, and start to work at a draft of that. And the last two things that I published, the thing about uh, jogging and kinks in my neck, and uh, oh, keeping a reading journal. Those two things, those started, those came out of my free writing for my journal. And I had this idea, which is part of the reason why I moved to Substack, is I thought... Hey, you know what? Some people might not want to read. So let me do an audio version. And that can just be the podcast. Let's 
let's funnel all of my creative energy into one thing. But there were problems with that, problems I didn't foresee. For example, it started to prevent me from writing as much as I wanted to. Things were piling up in my notebook that I wanted to put out. But I couldn't just fix them up and then throw them on the website and be done like within a half hour of having the idea. I had to do that and then record audio, edit the audio, then put in the intro music, put in the outro music, then equalize. And then by the time I was done with all that, it was like three hours later. Well, if I had like three things I wanted to post, guess what? You're only getting one. And the next day, I'm less likely to jump into that as easily. And I started to ask myself, if I want to write as often as I want to write, which might be more than even once a day, am I going to want to record audio that much? And not even audio like this that excites me, but just audio of me trying to read what I've written as best I can. And the answer was no. If I was only writing a blog like once a week, that was a perfect idea, but not with how much I want to write. And the sad, the sad thing is, and now that I've fixed that, there's like a, what, 30% chance that after you, you say you're going to do something, that you just lose interest in it. But the thing is, there's a second reason why that format didn't work. Because I like this. I like this. I like the personal connection. I, I like talking to people. I'm an introvert. So I'm not a crowd person. But talking into this microphone, I'm not imagining how many people are listening to this. I'm imagining one person listening to this. That's it. Because it feels intimate to me. And it feels comfortable to me. And it's so easy to, as I said earlier, to get caught up in these motions of things and realize this has nothing to do with me. And moving away from this and not doing this, part of it was forgetting that. And part of it, yes, was fear. Was fear that the audience that I've slowly dwindled away over the years would completely disappear. And this is something I have avoided talking about. But I've also realized through listening to that episode between James Altucher and, and Cal Newport when they talked about Larry King, I realized that part of what I'm trying to do and what I'm inspired to do with audio, it also involves vulnerability. So I'm going to tell you something that I haven't talked about. When Lamb and I were... I want to say we are a year and a half into the Random Badassery podcast. We were doing monthly artist profiles. Those were once a month we started doing in-between episodes. So first we started doing an episode every two weeks, and then finally we worked up to weekly. Right about then was the highest the podcast numbers ever were. And when Lamb had to leave, and I switched to the solo format because, honestly, I didn't have any other choice. And I tried to do the NPR type stuff. Numbers dropped, of course. Anytime you change a format, numbers going to drop because it's just like I ordered a cheeseburger and you gave me a chicken sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. I totally understand. 
they dropped, I would say, by, mm, I would say, maybe 20%. And then I started doing interviews, and they came back up a little bit, of course, because talking to a different person every week. So even though my audience isn't growing, my numbers are growing because these people who like this person are listening every week, you know, and it's always a new person every week. And then when I went back to having Lamb on the show and I had Tom on the show, numbers went down a little bit, but they went down a little bit because not because people didn't like Lamb and Tom, but because it wasn't an influx of new people from interviews every week. So it went back to the core audience. Episodes named after and the one that relates to this is where I talk about the idea of perception when it comes to temperature and truth. I think it'll fit really well with what we've been talking about here. And if you want to support the podcast, as always, you can go over to Patreon, where I beg you, please become a patron, support what I'm doing here. I put a lot of work in here, put up a picture on Twitter, show you the notes from this one, because the notes from this one, as you can probably tell from listening, were intense. And I love the work, but it is work, and I'm proud of it. So become a patron, support that. And uh, as I announced yesterday, I've changed everything to one tier. When you click in, it's going to say a dollar. Put in whatever amount that you want to pay every month, whatever you can. Some people can afford less. Some people can afford more. It's there for everyone. You can also go over to the Linda Hand page, which I've now moved over to the podcast page. I also mentioned yesterday that I was waiting for the custom domain for the new pod page that I made for the show to go through for you know all the DNS and all that stuff to happen. Well, it's here. It matters, but it doesn't.com. Obviously, no punctuation there. All just one word. It matters, but it doesn't.com. Go over there to the Lend Hand page, which will be right up in the menu, and you'll see that list of Patreon and nine other ways that you can help to support this show, including rating and reviewing. It's, I'm not going to lie and say that it moves me up the podcast charts on Apple. It doesn't. This has been proven. I just want to know what you think of the show. I want other people to see what you think of the show. You like the show. Please take the time to do that. And if you don't want to do it on Apple, you can do it right on my website because there's on-review websites. So you'll see that. It's like rate the show in the top there. I'd appreciate it. I really would. And uh, I guess that's it. So I'll see you when I see you. You look at this woman now, this woman in a different light. And you might feel a little bit like shit, hopefully, the next time that we as a society collectively try to throw someone under the bus. So, I feel like I'm I'm giving a lecture right now. <laughs> I don't mean to lecture. I don't know, you know... I grew up, let's take a small tangent before we end this. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I grew up around priests. I didn't really grow up around preachers. I shouldn't say I didn't really. I didn't grow up around preachers. But sometimes when I'm talking and I get on a tangent, I catch myself and I think, am I, am I being a preacher right now? Because I'm feeling like there's some preacher vibe coming out sometimes. 
I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to go and uh, watch some TV now. Yes, so I can disengage my mind. Actually, that's a lie. I'm going to hit stop. I'm going to edit this. I'm going to upload it. And then in about an hour, I'm going to watch some TV. But you know what? I love this routine. I love this nightly routine. Hope you guys are enjoying it as well. Even if you're listening to this four years in the future. I hope you're you're enjoying it. If you are, by the way, if you are listening to this four years in the future, you should absolutely leave a comment because I'm I'm actually I'm talking to you right now from four years in the past. I don't know. <laughs> I just think that's fascinating. Maybe you do, maybe you think I'm a weirdo. You're both you're right on both accounts. Bye.